Welcome to Podvant Guard. I'm Andrea Gazetta. And I'm Katrina Davis. And I am Jordan Lee Williams. And today we're covering Kahinda Wiley. Yeah. yeah. I'm so I'm excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> we're all the same feeling. <laughs> Um, I don't have any fun art history facts for us today. I thought I would come in with another little story, but I couldn't find anything. Although they did find a a missing link at the time of this recording. They found, I think it was a 5,000-year-old skeleton of a teenage girl uh, that kind of adds a different branch to the human lineage. Uh, and she's from a group of people that kind of just disappeared out of nowhere. What? What? There are so many different hairier versions of us. <laughs> Some of those are in my family tree too. So <laughs> we're like, humans are like iPhones and we think that we're like, the XR, but it's like, hey, we could be the six. Like, yeah. <laughs> My dad is Sicilian, and so he's definitely the hairier version of all of us. <laughs> he's just, he just has like a carpet of chest hair that he wears chains and they get caught in it. So. Oh, incredible. I keep really in a Don't chain. I do I want a herringbone chain um, one day because of my dad in the 80s. But they do yeah, grab dude. the oh, hair. Yeah. They grab the hair on your neck. Your dad loves yeah. style because there's that's uncomfortable. <laughs> it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't I, know. <laughs> he like wears his Hawaiian shirt specifically unbuttoned to show off the chain. Okay, but like you're also that. describing Magnum. <laughs> the Hawaiian shirt is. Uh... But you're also describing Magnum PI. Is your dad Magnum yeah, PI? That's like his whole vibe. Yes, I that's do like the idea vibe. of your dad watching Magnum PI in like his like mid twenties and being like, "That forever. There's no way that is not gonna stay cool." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, wait. So who who is this person, Jordan? I know nothing. Kahinde Wiley. First thing, I told um, two other comedy friends that we will probably have on a later episode of this podcast about us starting this podcast. And I said, yeah, Andrea and Jordan are both history, art history majors. They're super smart. I know fuck all. Like that's (laughs) my stance on this podcast. If anybody wants to know for future reference, it's me learning most things for the first time. Kahinde Wiley, and I'm actually, because I made a PowerPoint for you guys. Share that. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I don't know why this is what popped into my head, but for Jordan sharing the screen, I wanted to say, let's see that beautiful bean footage, like from the Bushes <laughs> Baked Bean I don't know why that was my reaction to like Girl, trying. Because I'm wearing, I'm wearing overalls and I have a mullet. Like, what are do you... <laughs> You're just oh giving me God. vibes that make me think of babies. <laughs> uh, so Kahinda Wiley is, uh, he's the artist who did Obama's presidential portrait. That was kind of what yeah. put him in the, the mainstream even more than he already had been, but more of a household name because he did Obama's presidential portrait. Um, 
So Kehinde Wiley was born February 28th in 1977, and he grew up in South Central L.A., and his mom did not want her kids out in that. She did not want them to be involved in anything in Los Angeles in the 80s. What was happening in Los Angeles in the 80s? That was so bad in South Central LA, Jordan. What could it possibly have been? Well, according to Kenda Wiley, there was a lot of violence, antisocial behavior, and hip hop. And I was like, that is quite the list that we've got going, sir. According to Kehinde Wiley and TV. (laughs) (laughs) And live footage. We know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So she signed up. He had six siblings, which is uh, a lot of kids. (laughs) No, that's a lot of people. And uh, he... She so her name was Freddie Mae Wiley. I love her. Uh, I like she this name. has an excellent name. Yeah, it's a solid. And edge. she signed the kids up for art classes. And if they weren't in school, they were in art classes or they were at art museums around LA. And LA has all kind. I mean, you've got the Getty, the Broad, LACMA. There's a billion museums up here, and so. He spent all his time at these museums. Um, and Which then I've, he, I've been to those museums, and like, if you're just like a kid wandering around, like, no one's gonna snatch you up. Andrea, it's just like a bunch of old people. That's all I was <laughs> thinking about. Is I would have loved to have been an unattended child in museums this cool like absolutely. oh my god absolutely love it <laughs> so granted fun. kidnapping was at like a record high at this point possibly but other than that wow oh, in the 80s yeah no i think that was just when we got milk carton kids yeah it was like just hitting okay cool <laughs> yeah but those kids were kidnapped like outside of like roller ranks or places where you like expect children to be. No one's like, kids are going to art museums. That's, That's so where to true. Snatch like, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out and snatch a kid at this jazz festival. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also seemed interesting and I couldn't find a ton of information. Like, Kehinde Wiley is a very private person, and he even says that in interviews, and a lot of people writing about him say that about him, nice. and it kind of feels like he te- he has, like, three stories that he tells about his life, and, I mean, that makes sense, but it's also, like... We all have three just- stories we tell about our lives over and over <laughs> to anyone that will listen, so I get it. You're like, these are my three stories. This is what I pull out at parties so you can get a flavor for me. Nothing else. No more info. He just he just gives everyone the elevator speech. That's the most you're getting. I kind of respect yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and well, he so I found out on one of my sources and then I had to go and try and find more information. But he and his twin brother went to an art conservatory in Russia. In St. Petersburg, I believe. Yeah, they went to a conservatory in Russia. Um, in How old were they? I could not find it. I I feel like a bad researcher, but I no. could not find how old they well, were. Well, he's private. He probably didn't tell anybody. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, because 
I could really only find that something there was a lot about art classes when he was 11. And I okay. think that might have been around the time that he went okay. to St. Petersburg. Because um, what is that like a baby art sabbatical? Pretty much. It, like, yeah, it's like a summer program. OK, but also that yeah. sounds like something you would have to get picked for. Yes. To go to Russia yeah. and South so, Central. Yes. Yeah. And he and his brother were both very talented people. Uh. And Wiley credits competition with his twin brother as to why he worked so hard at oh, art. Imagine being the twin now, though. That's so hard. Because <laughs> when you're a twin, everyone just compares you to each other at all times because you're like, you're the same person. How are you not doing it just as well as your twin? Like, that's so stressful. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, well, and Wiley even says that his brother was the better portrait artist, which was why he focused so hard on portraitures. Wow. Because he was like, I want to make it better than him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because I there's a guy in my building that's a twin, and I didn't know it until I saw him at the liquor store store down the street with his twin and I was like you're the worst twin like you should never <laughs> you should never hang out with this dude like I know you guys shared a womb but fuck him never be around him like he's literally a physical <laughs> manifestation of how much better you could have taken care of yourself over the past 15 years oh my god <laughs> like I, so double, I, I did a double take because I was like it's him but he looks better what's going on and then I looked behind him and I was like oh fuck this like no way you do not deserve this get this guy out out of here don't ever tell him your address again <laughs> there is also a twin in my building and my ex went to high school with him so we found his instagram and so he funny. is the hotter but dumber twin oh amazing trade-off okay fair it's complicated enough. it's complicated dude <laughs> the twin punnett squares knows how to do it it's like you get to be the hot one and you can read it like disperses yep, yep. evenly. <laughs> yep, in, yep, yep, yep. When the zygotes split, that's how they know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I am obsessed with this take on twins. <laughs> Watch out, Mengala. What's up? We got new Wait. twin research. Oh my god! Whoa! <laughs> For a second, I thought you used the wrong scientist, and I did not realize. That's so funny. <laughs> oh my god um so wiley went to undergrad at san francisco art institute he did his grad school at yale school of art oh my god um, bougie as fuck oh yeah no he says that his mom wanted to get them out of the hood and she did it's yeah. uh did all his brothers yeah. and sisters get out in kind of that same way of like going through higher education you know, I, I didn't look into his siblings. Okay. Um, I really just focused on on him. No um, I should have looked them up. I should have looked at the twins so I could do a... They're probably hard to find. Yeah. If I was his twin, I would make myself hard to find. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just saying. Well, see, I do want to see his twin's work because yes. he says himself that he was the He's better, better. Yes. portrait I'm so artist. I'm excited to see if he <laughs> paints or something. Yeah. Yeah, so I will I'll do some we'll we'll add an addendum to our uh <laughs> yes. 
if you want to see what's happening with the the twin, uh, subscribe to our Patreon and we'll tell you. <laughs> what if we just interview the twin? Like, so what's it like? Stop. I, that's we what I'm sucked. I'm so interested. I do love this. Um, so again, back to the PowerPoint. Uh, there are some things about Wiley's artist statement that I wanted to talk about. Um, and I think that the quote from his bio is kind of the best representation of what his work is. Uh, the artist eroticizes the invisible, those traditionally excluded from representations of power, endowing them with hero status. And I think that that is a really succinct way to discuss Wiley's work. Absolutely. Uh, because it's kind of just that in a nutshell. He does all his body of work is based around the old masters paintings. And <laughs> I'm so sorry. I lost my train of thought. No, you're fine. Because also eroticizes one, yeah. the invisible is dope as hell yeah yeah that is yeah that's hot as heavy yes i love that so much just in terms of yeah artists in general and what i feel like they tend to kind of cherish or you know even find important is so much that a lot of times there are a bunch of kahinde wiley paintings at the milwaukee museum of art Uh which i had seen a lot of i went to art school in milwaukee and I'd seen a lot of those paintings and I didn't get it. Like I saw them and I was like, okay, these are just paintings I've seen, but with black people in them and these like patterns in the background. But I could clear Like you can tell like, okay, this is referencing a famous painting. It's very well done. I didn't understand why it was important or what it meant because I'm a dumb mm-hmm. white child that doesn't know anything. <laughs> so like when I went to school, I was just like, okay, like these are good. These are cool. But like, They're I don't understand. Yeah. yeah mm. But I'm not like emotionally connecting with them right. until yeah. I had to do a group project. And I, the, the group project was you had to imagine, um, you had to imagine like you could curate any show with any famous artist at any location you wanted. And so the location I chose was the World Trade Center Memorial Museum. And the artists I curated were artists from of every race, from every country. And it was a group okay. project. And so my partner was my friend Vidal, who's black. And he was like, I want Kehinde Wiley. And I was like, okay, well, what what is so important? He goes, and Vidal just goes, well, he's the first person that made people big and beautiful that looked like me. And I was like, oh, that's what all these paintings are about. Uh, It's just representation. All these paintings mm -hmm. are about going to a museum and seeing yourself in no one here. And as a white person, that is something that we take for granted all the time. It's just that we're in all of it. We're in all of these paintings fucking forever because we are the ones telling history. And so, yes. like, as a white child, I did not understand why these paintings were important until Vidal said that to me. Well, even you saying that I'm immediately dumb. makes me think of him walking around when he was younger. Yeah. And the artists that were in there at the time or weren't or whatever, you know. 
Mm. Yeah, no, and he actually talks about that, about being at the LACMA surrounded by white flesh. That's what uh. he, he calls it, the white flesh, um, because it is, it's just, it's all of these old master paintings. And I'm actually, I'm going to skip one of our slides. We'll go back to it. But since we're here, I wanted to talk about <laughs> Carrie James Marshall. This was the, this is the artist I took... <laughs> A friend, we I went on a first date with someone, and this was the exhibit there, and he was the only black person at the whole thing, and a white docent was giving the tour and was explaining racism to the group. And it is the funniest thing, but also the most terrifying thing. In Milwaukee or here? In LA. We went, I That's think it was a- so funny. He he picked the museum. He was like, I, he yeah. was like, you like art, so we'll go to the know. art museum. And we, I was like, okay, I don't know what's there. Like, let's just go. And this docent yeah. was like, oh, we're giving a tour. And then it was just like all these old white people and my black date getting racism explained to him. <laughs> oh, and it's like, wait, are we an exhibit? What just happened? I think we're an installation now. I think that's what's happening. This is art, you guys. Do oh, you realize that? My God. So funny. And it's just all these old white people. Anytime this lady would say something, everyone would like, look at my date. And then like, look at the docent. And then like, look at my date. And then it was just like, we would look at each other. And I was just the whole time. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We can and just And it's like, leave. nobody so couldn't sorry. have known. Neither of you couldn't have known. Like there's no way Absolutely. you couldn't have planned that if you tried. But also I like the idea of all of those old uh, white people that were on the tour being like, mm, I don't really, I need you to fact check this. I mean, like, is <laughs> she's checking us? Is, is that this, right? The last thing she says is, this is real? <laughs> And this is why we need more black docents. I just, yay! If you I, have, I, please. Y'all, what if you teach me enough during this podcast to make me a black docent? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not because I know that Charlotte on Sex in the City had to put in a lot of work for that. So I won't diminish their profession. <laughs> well, I don't think docents are even paid anymore. They're generally not paid. The The biggest <laughs> issue is that it is sort of like something that like retired older people do. And so yeah. it's very much a privileged thing where like I don't have to work. I love art. Is it I get like to be the here. grocery store bagging of the of the elite? Like it's just something old people do to get out of the house. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're like, I have nothing to do and I really like art and I want to talk to people and feel useful. And so you can go be a docent. But you don't really get paid. Usually it's a volunteer position. Uh, and if you were raised like two tax brackets lo lower, you just go feed squirrels in the park. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. And wear fun hats and terrified children that are visiting New York City for the first time. <laughs> the home alone 2 reference guys okay <laughs> lost oh in God. new york <laughs> so funny i'm gonna give you okay, two I'm turtle sorry. doves for that joke thank you so much i'm so sorry i keep interrupting but please keep continuing no no it's totally good so this painting we are looking at right now is uh kehinde wiley calls it the grand barbershop i had some trouble finding the title because I was just trying to find the image. Um, but this is Carrie James Marshall at the LACMA, the LA County Museum of Art. Yeah. Um, and what he said about this painting was, 
that it was refreshing to see black images, but that it was thrown into very sharp relief when thinking about the absence of other black images in that museum. It made Absolutely. it like stick so out he, super hard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and so and Carrie James Marshall's style for anyone who's not familiar, the way that Carrie James Marshall paints black figures is he uses black. Like they're not modeled as like brown or brownish. Their faces are used the, he uses black and so he's highlighting that sort of stark contrast even more. Mhm. I'm nodding on an audio medium. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I Included this piece because he does talk about this in relation to the St. Louis show. Kehinde Wiley was approached by the St. Louis Art Museum and they asked him to do a show. And this was after the death of Michael Brown at the hands of Ferguson police. And there, this was after the protests. This was after the militarized police response, and this was after the police officer was not brought up on a single charge. Yeah. So Wiley shows up in this community and agrees to do a show there. And I think that it was a really good decision on the part of the museum because of Wiley's... The way in which Wiley does delve into these sociopolitical power struggles and the way that he does focus on these powerful, you know, the images of royals and military commanders. And he does have his, his body of work is about access. Mm. Um, and of the museum, Wiley said there's a very strong dissonance between this gilded museum on a hill and the communities in Ferguson. Mm. Yeah. And he actually, before he would agree to do the show, he had the museum, they had to provide transportation to the museum from all of the surrounding communities. Hell yeah. And the exhibition had to be advertised in predominantly black and brown communities. Nice. That's amazing. And he wanted that to be the... Um, Wiley wants to start conversations surrounding access and encourage feelings of belonging. And that, I feel like, is kind of also his work in a nutshell, is you get to see yourself on the wall at this mm -hmm. place that has, for a long time, especially the fact that he had to tell the museum that they need to provide transportation. This is about access. This is about people being able to access these spaces. Yep. And St. Louis historically is a very segregated city. Like it, in terms of just the layout of it mm. and yes. the people yeah. that have access to certain spaces. Um, yeah. Is it like staunch? It's very staunch. Like yeah, tell, I mean, yeah. one of my f one of my friends that I went to college with is mixed race and his mom is white and his dad is black and we went to visit his hometown 
in St. Louis and you he you know is an in-between right so he's like I'm in between these worlds all the time and the ways that people treat me in different spaces are different obviously mm-hmm. because I'm in between but he sort of like explained to us just like well this is this neighborhood and this is that neighborhood and they're divided and so like being a child of the middle was just mm-hmm. exceptionally extra difficult for him because of how yeah. segregated the city was when he was mm. growing up I mean I haven't been there since I was in college, so I don't remember, but mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and there is a great, uh, there's a great dollop. It's like a four parter on Ferguson and the history of what led to the protests. Um, and I haven't listened to it in years, but they delve yes. very deep into the history of the city on the founding, the, the ways in which it is systemically racist. Like there is just a, they're based on the history. We should not have been surprised about what happened there. Well, a lot of the big cities in the North are like Milwaukee is Chicago is, you know, things are starting to change in some of those places. But for the most part, the segregation is built into the infrastructure of the space. Yes. I was just talking to my mom about this, uh, like right before we started this, because uh, I grew or I was born in Baltimore and I grew up in Florida. But when I would go visit like everyone, all my family, we all live in Baltimore City. And I I would hear people on TV talk about Baltimore or like see even something on TV where they would show like these rolling green parts of Baltimore. And I was like, that's not Baltimore. And then it would be like these like really Southern, like not Southern, but just these like open spaces and these rich white people. And I was like, where the fuck are they in Baltimore? I did not know that I was like, Baltimore is, and she was like, yeah, Baltimore city. Like we live in a city and Baltimore County is very different. Like the second, like in terms of you hit a block and it's like, what's going on? And I was just like, I didn't even, I thought not like I thought they were lying, but I was like, that must be Baltimore adjacent. That I've never seen anything like that here. Like That's the suburbs, but we just never go there. Exactly. Now I even sometime now that my, like some of my family members are older, they've moved out of the city and I'll see, and I'll be like, where is this? Where are we? What is this? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Before we move on to a little more of, Wiley's process I did want to talk about the image that I've included here Um, so all the images will be up on Instagram yeah I hope yeah (laughs) definitely they'll be there Um, just send them to me they'll be up there (laughs) absolutely we'll figure that part out later I'll totally do it you guys don't worry Um, but this image it is three women sitting on uh, well, you can't see what they're sitting on, but it's a lot of pinks and greens, arabesques in the background, floral patterns. It's beautiful. Um, it looks like a yeah. wallpaper in the Darjeeling Limited. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And he does, uh, he does base a lot of his backgrounds on textiles from mm. other countries, on arabesques, which are. Um, basically flowery patterns in the Middle East. Um, Ah. And I included this particular picture, which shows Wiley with six other people standing in front of the painting, because I wanted to talk about the scale 
and the sheer size of his paintings mm-hmm. because that mm-hmm. is a hugely intentional choice. Mm-hmm. Um, they to are take, so to literally take up space. Exactly. Yeah. They I are like so it. big because they tower, and the the idea is they tower over you. This is this is what it means to be a presence like Mm -hmm. this is larger than life this is yeah it's seeing seeing a kende wiley painting in person is such a commanding experience Mm. Ooh, to give people scale i don't know if because honestly even if you did have the dimensions of the canvas it probably wouldn't help me i know other people's brains are different but it's like there are three women painted on this canvas there's space on either side of them and two full-grown men are the width of one woman Yes. And there's th- yeah. so if that gives anyone an idea of how big the people in this painting are, one person yeah. is two full grown men and there's three women and it's huge. <laughs> yeah, it's some of these guys look like they're at least six feet and the painting is taller than them. I'm sure if yes. they're standing it's they're the painting's about six feet tall and then it's probably maybe 10 feet wide they're enormous yeah, and they're really wiley good. has to have like special doors in his studio i'm sure or where they're produced wherever they're produced to like get the paintings out unless he's oh, rolling i didn't them even think ship. about that that actually is an interesting point because he prints them oh on he prints what <laughs> he has so i now i gotta go back and find where wait I put so that. they're done um, digitally and printed at scale Yes. Really? That I'm is sorry. What, so now I'm, <laughs> no, I'm now I'm now you've got me second guessing myself. I felt so confident. Uh no, so what I had read about his process was that he paints these or I, he has a studios that he doesn't let people in, which I believe that he has assistants and he doesn't want to talk about it. Oh, um, he absolutely has assistants cuz he has most of these done, I know at least in China. Yes, a lot of his paintings are done at his studio in China. Um, And so and most of these artists who produce at this level have assistants who paint for them. Absolutely. Because also, do you think he like does the outline and then they just like fill in the colors? It might be that he makes the design. Yeah, it might even (sighs) be that he... um, does the layout like just blocks it as okay there's gonna be person here person here person here here are the reference photos this is what it needs to look like a lot of artists do it that way the paintings are that is pretty extensive it is the the paintings are photorealistic and my guess would be that he creates a photoshop document or photoshops patterns into you know, I'm sure he like kind of finds a, a reference free pattern and uses that pattern and then photoshops it into the figures because I know he takes or at least directs his own photographs of people. Yes. And I think that yes. more okay. of his process is finding the people to take photos of and finding out their okay. story and getting to know them. And I feel like okay. to him, that's the important part of his process more than like him touching the actual canvas. Basically painting. Okay. Yes. And he talks about he does talk about that, about how the fun part of it all is 
having people show up at his studio in the clothing that they want to be painted in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm. we will go to our process slide. Uh, so Wiley's process is that he does street casting. So all of his models are people that he approaches. And when he was first starting out in this particular vein, it was in Harlem was mainly where he found people. Um, he did the street casting for the St. Louis show as well. And it's um, crazy that he just found Obama just walking around. It's so insane. It, you know, it was just <laughs> a stroke of luck. Oh, huh? I'd love to be a part of your portrait, young man. <laughs> That was my Obama on the street impression. Nailed it. You nailed it. (laughs) I believed it every second. So stupid. (laughs) I loved it so much, though. Uh, So Wiley talks about how he approaches subjects. Okay. Um, I have a camera crew with me, examples of my work, and usually an attractive woman with me because there's something homoerotically charged about this whole interaction. And yep. he talks about the eroticism and the homoeroticism of his work pretty regularly. Like, that is a very main... Is um, he gay? His interest isn't... I found one source that said he was. Okay. Which was why I included and really went into the, he is a very private person. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find that information. I found one source that said that he was gay, which did make most of the way that he talks about his work fit. Yeah. Because he does talk about how it is. I mean, he, his main interest is, black masculinity and Mm -hmm. he has this very very tender approach to it Mm -hmm. um which also if you happen to have been a gay man like gay black man especially growing up at that time would for sure be something that you would also want to focus on kind of possibly redefining yes or well, and you would in also, that way of the, like, just being even hyper aware of knowing that black men coming up to you on the street being like, I want to photograph you is like, do you want to get hit? Like that, I know that that sounds yes. like a lot, but. <laughs> no, Absolutely. and that's why he says he brings a, an attractive woman with him. Like mm-hmm. he, that is just part to even of get them to probably stop with. for a second. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yep. And it's, it does, it does feel a little honeypot. Uh. I mean, the thing is, though, is imagine you're a black man growing up in Harlem at this time and you're gay and you want to be near people that you are attracted to. But yeah, A, you don't want to die or get in a fight or get gay bashed or whatever. And so painting is a way to have access to people, especially painting portraiture. And I found like when I was a weird kid in high school and I wanted to make friends, I did a whole series my senior year of painting my friends or people that weren't my friends, but like I wanted them to be my friend. And Mm -hmm. even just the process of taking photographs of them and getting to know them and making them laugh is a way of like feeling connected to people when you feel like you're not worth being connected to, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Because so, like, hey, Andrea, do you remember when we weren't friends yet and you asked me if you wanted to take my portrait and then you took my picture and painted me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you're like, shy I didn't and you think about that. I did not think about that until you said it. But I was like, wait Absolutely. a minute. <laughs> Andrea tricked me into being her friend. <laughs> I did. I tricked you with a painting. Ha ha. But it was Look at my but beautiful that was skills. Andrea took my picture and we just sat there and laughed outside of her like castle job. And I was like, yeah, this girl's cool as hell. That was really fun. Like I would have done that in some other way, but it was like, hey, I want to paint or I don't know what it was. Something happened and you were like, oh, I want to paint this one. Or you painted another picture and you're like, I want to take one something. But yeah, I took a bunch of photos so of you. Honestly, I was uh. just like, I was like, Katrina's really pretty and I would like to paint her. But uh, also I the- I love you, Andrea. I love you too. Um, also, the way I see beauty is really weird because it's hard for me to separate physical, like outside beauty and inside beauty. So like when I yeah. paint portraits of people, the beauty part for me is both. And so it's really hard Absolutely. for me to paint people I don't know. And it's really hard for me to paint people that I don't like. <laughs> Ah, but also <laughs> there's like an emotional even, connection. Well, everything you were saying about even being kind of lonely and uh, just the it like it's I'm not trying to like be upset, but it makes me sad thinking about not being <laughs> able to harness that and that being misunderstood by people as aggression, like a black man being like, I think you're beautiful yes. and not being able to express that, but just wanting to be near it and not wanting to be a creep and people not yes. being able to understand that emotional need and being like, no, you're a fucking creep. Like that sucks. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and he, he runs into that. Um, now mm. he's at a point in his career where he even says that when he does street casting in America, people are like, oh, of course, you found me. Because that makes they sense. Know. Well, yeah. because in and America, so in America, people, in America, every person thinks at any moment I could be famous. Yes. We and have, he talks about that. Okay, sorry. I, I'm like stepping on all your toes and all your hot juice. I'll stop. <laughs> I don't know why I said hot juice. I wanted hot to say hot. Was a weird decision. I wanted to say hot tea and juicy secrets, and I just went with hot juice, which is the worst hot juice. Hot juice. <laughs> um, so this painting. Oh, hot God. juice is so gross, and I love it. So it, gross. Um, uh, Wiley is also interested in floral motifs and tattoos and the ways in which we adorn our bodies. Mm -hmm. So part of the street casting is that he invites these men into his studio and has them look through art history books and pick a painting that they want to emulate. Which would be so amazing. Oh, my God. That so has dope. to be the coolest. Yes. And then with the floral motifs, he has this way of painting, and it's almost surrealism. It's like photorealistic surrealism, and I've heard it called contemporary modern. I I feel like that's a redundancy. Yeah. Uh, modern, modern. Means, yeah, no, that's just Super chai modern. tea. Like, the what most are we doing? Modern. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I like that you turned into a monorail salesman for modern. It's so modern. It's basically tomorrow. <laughs> um, but the the ways in which he incorporates the background, because mm-hmm. in this image, it's two figures standing together. Uh, they're holding hands in front of each other and one of them has a hand on the other shoulder and there are these floral motifs, very viney looking uh, leaves and, and it's caressing the individuals almost mm-hmm. because it's in front of them and also behind them. And this piece really reminds me of Donatello's David. Mm. It's not the intent, but there is a tenderness and an eroticism to the way that Wiley does depict the background touching these two figures. He's the sexiest David. Well, he is. And if you look at, I'm pointing at my screen like you guys can see. Uh, I can show you here. If you look right here at his feet, he's standing on Goliath's head. And his toes are wrapped in the giant's hair. And it is very erotic. Damn. That's like a whole (laughs) level of fet life I was not prepared for. I have not been on that part of the website. In addition to our own, uh, our Patreon, we will have a OnlyFans art page. Jordan's starting. <laughs> it's just the art. No people that are still alive. Um, I do, I do want to just point out um, why I am so grateful for this podcast because you compared this to David, and I was thinking this was like a romantic version of that meme where Homer hides in the bush. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. It also so, looks like that. You're absolutely it does correct. It looks Katrina. like that. No, you're it's right. Absolutely correct. I love that all of my art friends validate my garbage things that I say like this way going, yes, actually, that is in there too. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know what? I personally feel like art does not belong to the artists. I think that uh, authorial intent means nothing. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, validating my vision. Oh, Oh, that made me really happy. I really like that. The thing is, too, Um, about these that, like, adornment historically is a way to show value so that the more... mm. Like, especially a lot of this, a lot of like old school Renaissance art, stuff like that, these super complex patterns and this level of adornment was something that was reserved for the Bible, biblical texts, for rich people's clothes, for paintings of rich people, because it is all historically, all these things were created by hand. And so. Anytime you're adding like a gold leaf or a border to your book or whatever, those are hours and hours and hours of one person doing this. And so the money that it cost for these things to be produced historically was so high that 
the more adorned something was, the more you're signifying it has value. That's why a lot mm. of religious robes have high adornment or have gold leaf or things like that. And so I think Wiley, by using these heavily adorned patterns and these very complex patterns is again signifying value yeah he that is that is it absolutely um it is i would just be repeating what you said so <laughs> never sorry. mind uh well it's funny you should mention it we are going to talk about power and the visual vocabulary of prestige I'm just taking uh, over Jordan's whole podcast. I'm I know. Like, it's I feel her bad, turn. but everything you've brought up has just been the next slide that I was trying to get to. <laughs> I'm, I just promise you I'll just have... shut the fuck up. No, but you've uh, also both been in these classes, so I, maybe you're just subliminally. <laughs> you know what's bad is um, I just I hated art school, art history classes, but now I'm like, huh, must have seeped in somewhere. <laughs> you you kept some of it in there. Um, so this is one of my favorite Kehinde Wiley uh, paintings, and it is after Louis the Fourteenth by Hyacin Rigaud. Rigaud, some fucking French guy. I don't know. It's, <laughs> they all have these crazy goddamn names. You French um, fancy. I want to include. A side by side. Oh, that's nice. <gasps> oh, I've seen this guy before, like this specific man. Yes. So now Andrea teed me up perfectly for this because I did want to do an in-depth analysis of Hyacinth Rigaud, uh, his painting of Louis the Fourteenth, because I wanted to talk about the ways Wiley is so focused on the old masters. He is so focused on reimagining them with black bodies instead mm -hmm. of, as he calls it, white flesh. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is important to understand the context and to understand yeah. the images and the history that he's looking at and yeah. why he's painting in this specific style, why he like they is should have, choosing the old masters. Like they should have little versions of what they are on a placard whenever they show his. Like, it yeah. would be very interesting. It would be, I don't know if it's a, if it's an issue of having access to those images and being or able to, yeah. Um, so first of all, I love Wiley's version of this. I love our man in space, just in these beautiful floral, just big leaves and it's all pink and green and he's got a cane and those boots. I just, I love him. The stance he's standing. is amazing. Yeah. The stance is spot on to Power our stance. man, Louis the 14th. Absolutely. So, what we're going to do is for a second, we are going to look at Louis the 14th. And I've, I've written you guys a little note in our. Uh... <laughs> I was no joke going to mention in terms of his focus on eroticism and homoeroticism in terms of how we've talked about femininity or masculinity and how it's kind of shifted. I was like, can yes. we 
This is literally every high school girl's pitcher pose. Like he's popping a knee. <laughs> oh my God. This is a cheer pose. This is absolutely Louis, a cheer pose. Louis is on the end of a line of girls at the beach at spring break. That is his pose. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. He also designed the shoes he's wearing. I yeah. love his little high heels. They are badass. Yes. Um, he was short. He didn't legs. want to be short. Yeah, right. Well, absolutely. it also was the style at the time was men wore high heels. That yeah. was just that was how it was. And he was royalty because so, they were short kings. And I mean, he was literally exactly. a king, but they were like, you know how they say short. Kings. <laughs> <laughs> he was literally a short king. He was literally a short king. I actually don't know. I didn't look up how tall he was. Um, <laughs> but this image is very important. Im- <laughs> Important. Very important. <laughs> I love it. This image is very important, even in terms of royal portraiture, because this is a departure from royal portraiture of the time. Hmm. Um, so what is the biggest thing you could notice about this is the fact this man is not wearing a crown. He is oh. the king of France without a crown. He is not sitting on a throne no he is not, he has I mean, crown hair though he's he does and that vibe. was that was popular at the time uh, um, yeah, yeah but if you look at henry the eighth always wearing his crown yes. always taking up dominant domineering space very intimidating portraits um so louis the 14th is not wearing a crown the throne Actually, you can see it right here. I will point it out. That is the crown of the King of France oh. sitting on the stool behind him. Uh-huh. Damn. There is his throne Damn. right here again oh. in the background. And then here is everything that you would think of kingly is behind him. And then he is wearing what I can only describe as the largest cape i have ever seen in my life it's and it pretty is fucking big covered in florida lees it so, looks like if they did drag race braveheart edition because there's like <laughs> fur oh my uh, god like, uh, <laughs> well even the idea that like the pattern that he's wearing that floor that he's wearing is matches the throne it's almost like he's covering everything that's supposed to be important like his cape well, is like draping so- over the reason it's not that's not his cape draping over the oh, chair or the uh, the stool. The fleur de lis is the national symbol of France of the oh, royalty. So they just put of, that in everywhere. Well, so there is a very specific reason that this painting is set up the way that it is. Louis the Fourteenth is saying, "I don't need a crown. I don't need a throne. I am France." I'm a boss bitch without my jewelry. I don't need Again, any of that drag shit. race. Like <laughs> yeah. all of this. He's, he's, he's mid drop. They painted this right before he just threw his whole body back and dropped onto the floor. Absolutely. But he's saying that he has the power of the throne of France without needing any of the support of it. It is all mm. him. He is, this is all about control. This is Mm. all about, he is France. I love this painting. I got to see it in person and I cried. 
Um, no, I was gonna ask, um, or not ask, but it did make me realize like all of the light is on him. Like you pointed them out. I wouldn't have even seen the throne or the crown. They're dark. Exactly. So dark where those things are. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see And up either. until this point, that would have been just sacrilegious. I mean, mm. the throne is, uh, that's God appointed. Like that's, <laughs> to say that you are above the throne, to say that you are above the crown, that is... I mean, only the King of France could say that. And he's saying that with this painting. He is. So did he have this painting charge. made? Did he have this painting made? And then people were like, oh, my God, have you seen that painting? The thing's no, in the background. You can't even see it. Like, no, it's very much uh, propaganda. That is okay. that is what art is. And that's what the old masters. And um, that's actually. We're going to talk about portraiture. And propaganda. Oh, nice. Oh, I did want to say one more thing that I liked about oh, yeah. the, com the um, two different, or not the differences, the comparison. I was picking up the folds in his um, super amazing cape and yes. the draping and overlayering of the oversized shirt and baggy jeans on the black man kind yes. of enveloping that kind of thing in things that are definitely not associated with you know that level of prestige kind of was like oh, i see that shit <laughs> yes and i i love it because wiley does tell his models to wear what they want to be painted in mm -hmm. and so, so even the fact that this happened this way is kind of wow yes. nice Absolutely. oh man i have so many I have a lot of personal feelings about hip hop culture as the new mythos of the American dream and as the embodiment of the American dream, because like hip hop okay. culture so much relies on a narrative of rags to riches, the concept of a single individual overcoming overwhelming obstacles and odds and the promise of opulence. And so I mm. think that there's something really interesting about like hip hop style clothing being mm -hmm. used as a signifier of like power, especially when mm -hmm. you see it next to a king of France, you yeah. know, because it's In kind of the of same even... energy. Yeah. Well, I always kind of think of long if I think about it on the grand scale of like you're saying hip hop um, culture or even I think about in the black community and what we kind of associate with success on a high level. So much of it is we couldn't own property for so long that it was cars and clothes and we put value into like the next thing that we could own besides mm -hmm. property. And I feel like we kind of never really moved away from that in some ways. I think, I mean, I think that it's so much like, what can I carry with me? You know, yeah. if I have well, to move all I'm, the time, yeah. if I have to leave, you know, I, yeah. what can I carry with me? And so like that sort of mindset, it's hard to not inherit that, you know, and it's hard mm -hmm. to change that if it's like, mm -hmm. this is the way that my family has done this. This is the way that my community has done this. How mm -hmm. do I change how I approach wealth or approach like value? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm nodding. Oh, fuck. I'm leaving that one in. 
Jordan was just like, yes, we're having a conversation and I and I'm here for it. <laughs> I well, yeah, no, I I completely agree. I swear to God, I need this Zoloft to fucking sort itself out because I'm just like, I yeah, uh huh. Just talking. I don't know. I want to talk about the Tims and I want to talk about the horse. So Ooh, okay. <laughs> so this is after Napoleon crossing the Alps. Uh, a lot of the way that I've seen Wiley's work in art history textbooks is titles like after Napoleon crossing the Alps, after Louis XIV by Hyacinth Rogo. Uh, so I love this painting, not only because it is incredible, like there is so much movement and drama yeah. and... I love this painting of Napoleon crossing the Alps and I am constantly recreating it. Um, so this image is, first of all, the frame, the gold frame with all the details and this creepy little baby face up at the top. Uh, let's just check out that creepy little baby face. I don't know why it's there, uh, but I every decision is an intentional decision. So we got mm -hmm. bubbies. I have a question. Um, does he, does he model the frames after the frames of the original paintings and the museums that they're in? Oh, that's a great, that is a great question. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Is that part of the painting or that's a heart, like a, t a tangible frame? That's the frame. Okay. Um, that is the frame and he, most of his, that's not what I wanted, uh, the way, mm -hmm. and only because none of the other ones have done this, this way. And it might've just been because of how, you know, well, obviously because of how he chose, but like none of the other ones have had a foreground interact. I think it's the foreground. Yeah. The foreground on the bottom kind of interact with the, the textile background. The foreground on like the stone that oh, the there's horse both, is on. That it's there's kind of both yeah. a physical space and the the Textile. space of the background. Yeah, interacts with it instead of just him and the horse being on the textile. There's also part of a what the horse would actually be on in real life as a part of this painting, and none of the other ones I've seen. So that you know is I mean? also an intentional choice um, because this is the original. So let me let me, let me describe it before we get into any more questions. Okay. Um, the <laughs> so it is a figure on a horse, and the horse is on its back legs, and the figure is pointing like he is charging into battle. So this is, and he's got an incredible yellow cape. Love his, I love the yes. capes. Capes are so good. The fact that he is wearing the army fatigues is intentional. Uh, I love the fact that he's wearing Tim's. I, I, I just love it. I really do. It looks fantastic. So the original painting, Napoleon crossing the Alps uh, by Jacques Louis David or David? I will call him David because I I think it is David, isn't it? It is David. Yeah, you're correct. David. Yeah, Jacques Louis David. Um, fucking French. Who cares? 
And this is how we started a fight with France on this podcast. I was just about to say I have another fight with France. Oh my goodness, so funny. I also could not find an image of the original frame. Uh, okay, that's chill. So I don't know what the original the original so let me close this okay um i just want to go back so wiley has a habit oh that's the same frame interesting okay that one doesn't show the frame yeah the st louis show has the same frame around all of the images so that's that's interesting yeah, that's kind of um, why I was wondering if he's rolling his canvases and they're framing on site or something. I think they're probably framing on site mm. just because of how big they huge are. his work is. Yeah. Yeah. Because you still for need peop- a U-Haul for these rolled up. I mean, yeah, you still got to roll them into like a box or a tube or yeah. something. But right. if you're not... if you're not an artist and you're not familiar with the way that canvas is stretched. Um, it's something that if you're using canvas, it's essentially like a fabric, right? So you can stretch it over a frame and you can staple mm-hmm. it into place. And then if mm-hmm. you, you need to paint on it while it's stretched. Um, otherwise it's going to like all crinkle up kind of like, you know, when uh. you get your clothes wet or whatever, but if you've painted on a surface stretched and then you take it off that frame and roll it, it's a lot safer than trying to ship a stretched canvas because now you're essentially shipping something that can rip very easily. Right. And it's so easy to damage that way. Yeah, because it's taut. Do do they roll it up like a big fancy poster and like put it on an 18-wheeler or something? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Pretty much. Usually. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is beautiful. And just because there's the ground, I don't know if you're going to explain it further, but it feels like Jumanji. Like you're in another <laughs> well, world the and then the floor changes underneath him. So the original is it is Napoleon crossing the Alps. So he is heading into battle. What is important about this image is the fact that this is a war general. And so you are showing him, David is showing him in motion, charging, leading his troops. There is a reason everything, when you look at an image, you have to understand that every aspect of it is intentional. That's why we keep mentioning the picture frames that Kehinde Wiley uses, the size, the scale, the color palette, the choices that he makes. Every aspect of a painting is intentional. And what's so interesting about this one and this combination was that Wiley actually rented real horses to take his reference photos. He rented real horses. He says that he had to get Hollywood horses, that it was this whole just ridiculously expensive enterprise. But... A normal man on a normal horse looks too small. Yeah. The proportions are completely out of whack because a real horse is huge and a real person is small. So oh. this is absolutely propaganda. And the way that he yeah. says it, all those, and this is a, a quote from Kahinde Wiley, all those grand tableau that you see on the wall of the Louvre are propaganda. They are designed to complete the narrative of domination of empire and control. 
Mm. Yes. Yes. Well, also, on a very personal level, leave it to Napoleon to fudge the scale of something and make himself look bigger. Absolutely. <laughs> if anybody Absolutely. was going to do it, it's definitely your boy. He was like, yeah, no, make the horse smaller. Like, just I can see him, like, in front of a thing. Are you getting it's, it? <laughs> it's Napoleon first and Joe Rogan second. They're both like, no, I'm way <laughs> taller than I am, for real. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> fucked up is that Napoleon actually was pretty tall for the time. And uh-huh. that it was his political enemies that said that he was short. Which is yeah. hilarious. If, like, he was the first person to fall victim to, like, overreacting to a rumor and being like, well, if you wouldn't have been so loud about it, we wouldn't have believed you were so short. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm totally taller than that. Well, and I mean, in, in, again, in, in his defense, I guess, uh, any... So any general would have painted themselves larger than a horse. Very it, true. It would have looked yeah. embarrassing if the proportions on this were oh. accurate because he would have been this little speck, just like that this is little very guy. Funny. Just to be like, let's get him, guys. Horses are big. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,. Yeah, we we will absolutely get into it because I like to yell about modernity all the time. Um, but this is before cameras. Like the 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 yeah. Jacques Louis David painting is absolutely before cameras, where artists were beholden to record the truth, but also beholden to the people paying them. Like, right. <laughs> this is propaganda, and that is an important thing to remember when you do look at the old master paintings and this kind of neoclassical situation that we've got. We've looked at a lot of French uh, paintings, but it is a way of showing people, no, I'm in control. I'm larger than life. I am commanding. I am the main figure in this. I fill up the entire space. I take up as much room as I want. And so when you are face to face with this painting, it can be overwhelming because it is just so massive. Mm. Absolutely. Everything that you're saying is making me realize that portrait artists were just long form versions of IG model boyfriends where they just have to take (laughs) pictures and they're beholden to the person taking the picture and they're just like, take another one. Like that's what I absolutely. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, you you have to because it's also a lot of the paintings that we've looked at today. This isn't a matter like Louis the Fourteenth. You fuck that painting up, you're dead. There's no two ways about it. He's <laughs> not going to be very understanding. Well, and if you think about too, like at this time, who can afford a fucking painting? Someone with a mm-hmm. lot of fucking yeah. money. Where did they get that money? Probably not by being super nice. So like. You know, very true. Uh, royals, sorry, royals. If you happen to be of royal blood, honestly, go fuck yourself. <laughs> go fuck yourself because you are profiting off, I don't know, genocide and death and stealing from everyone else. Like, you just suck. Wait, you're just, Andrea, that's where all your money came yourself- from. 
Andrea was go fuck yourself an inbreeding joke because I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> if you want a chin that is twice the size of a regular chin, go fuck yourself. Literally, go fuck yourself. Or somehow also too small to be a chin. Yeah, because yeah, I was thinking the same thing. You said big chin, which I get, but also like such a weak chin that you don't know how they chew food. Like that's Absolutely. the other way. <laughs> It's just like, what are your teeth yeah, even no saying in between. On? There's no in between. You either have no chin or all the chin. If you're <laughs> royal, we're horrible. Okay, sorry, Jordan. <laughs> oh, no, I love this. No, this let's always the... make fun of royals. So that's the funnest. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm sitting here just picking it apart. Mm. Like, this is, this is how you study art history is you have to understand that if you are studying, so art history is a narrative. And if you are studying any narrative you have to understand that things have been left out these are mm. all conscious choices everything mm. in the book is a conscious choice and you have to know things are being left out and understanding why and what for mm. is part of getting the context for it all right yeah. if you know who's telling the story and what their motives are for for leaving things out or putting things in like it makes a lot more sense. And a lot yes. of the reason is just money and so I look good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's also worth noting that of the work that we've looked at that Wiley has recreated, these are times before the printing press? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Wait, Only no, one Gutenberg of them was. Only one of them was. Okay. Our little our little Donatello. I love it. I love him so much. I could I could actually do a whole episode about him. Um <laughs> We sh so, you should do one on all the Davids. Like because there's so many different I would, interpretations. Uh, yes. Uh so David anyway. and Venus. Those yeah. are I want to hear about that, but yeah. Oh my God. Yes. We'll talk about that later because I would be we'll really excited for the Venus one. <laughs> oh, you're you're super correct, Jordan. 1440. Yeah, no, the, the printing press was way before these uh, oh, these wow. paintings. And actually, that was before Donatello. The printing well. press is old as shit. I didn't know you yeah. could get a number like that either. Oh, yeah. No, so the printing press has been around for a very long time. But images have not been as widely available. Like it's it's easy to forget that especially at the time, color images, especially color images. It is easy to forget that at the time of Napoleon crossing the Alps, most people would only see an image if it was in their church. Now we get, but what is it? 32,000 images a day? Something oh like that. Oh my gosh. But at the time, you see the altarpiece at your church. Mm -hmm. And maybe, depending on where you live, there might be a sculpture. Like everything a else sculpture. is real time. Like everything yeah, else is there's... memory or happening in front of you. That's why. Exactly. There's no advertising. There's no, I mean, wow. this is advertising. This is what advertising of the time was. It was like, oh, look how amazing Napoleon is. He's the but, best. He's the coolest was, dude. 
that was kind of what I was trying to ask before. Would that this would be where in a church in a square? Where would where would regular people see something like that? They wouldn't. Okay. This wouldn't be. This is more Napoleon dropping dick on the table for his other royal members, like in his house for when people come over or something. Yes. Got it. Yes. yes. Or the okay. the king would commission it as like, well, my general is the baddest motherfucker that's ever walked this earth. Like, I was just about well, to say, and then what? Like, mail it to another country in some kind of weird petty way? Because <laughs> didn't they used to do that or something? Like, give just weird petty gifts that were really about their country? <laughs> I mean, kinda, yeah. They absolutely. They're like, here, here's a picture of me. I'm pretty great. Why don't you? Yeah, it's like, wait, what just happened? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's like when someone gives you a birthday gift for them to use when you're dating and you're like, wait a minute. This feels like a you gift that you tricked me into. (laughs) This feels like a you gift. How did that happen? I've included a lot of little Easter eggs in my PowerPoint, uh, but I think Yay. Napoleon looks like he would have been in Twilight. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, that's pretty like, great. He's no, it's he's no, just this you're pale totally little right. drama queen. He does. He looks like if there were a prettier spike on Buffy. Like, but you're right about the color. <laughs> everything well that's what i was thinking too in terms of you talking about portrait painters at the time is he so clearly like is this good like he's making such a zoolander face on a horse in this portrait well he had to look gorgeous he yeah he looks pretty was napoleon a pretty boy i know that people talk about his ego and stuff but he's like pretty oh yeah well he was french Hmm. look he's so soft He's beautiful. So soft. So soft. So I wanted to close out by talking about the Obama portrait. Yeah. Um, and I actually found an image of Wiley with Barack Obama in front of the presidential portrait. And it made me cry when I saw it. I might cry again because it is just such a beautiful moment. And Obama is holding Wiley's elbow and they're just both looking Are they shaking at hands? his face. Yes, they're shaking hands and Obama's holding his elbow and it is just the most tender moment. And I just love... They're almost in the same stance as those two men in the Homer one. They absolutely are. It's mm. such a beautiful picture. It is beautiful. I love this so much because I feel like he's looking at it and being like, you did a good job. Like, I feel like he's <laughs> no, exactly. very happy. Doesn't it look like Obama is just being like, you did good, kid. Like, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and Daddy just... Obama strikes again. Oh, God. Giving him giving you the love and approval you needed. I just saw him doing a commercial for people to vote no on the recall. And I was like, isn't he done? Why won't they they leave him him alone? (laughs) I I saw him on TV because I don't watch my, even when I watch TV, I have like Netflix and Hulu. I don't watch like cable TV. And so I was getting out and watching commercials. I was like, they didn't leave this man alone yet. He's still out here trying to ask people to do stuff. Leave him alone. He's done. (laughs) This is beautiful though. (laughs) Don't I just I miss 
I miss, I miss that measured, calming way that he speaks. But uh, also, it's funny because you all can't see, but Jordan's PowerPoint says at the top, it might be late, but this photo made me cry. And it is 5.45, and she almost cried again. So it wasn't because it was late, Jordan, just so you know. This photo no, just makes you want to cry a little. <laughs> this photo makes me want to cry. I just think that it's so tender, and it is such it a... Is. That is such a humbling experience as as an artist to make something that has that big of an impact and to to be involved in something like that. But also, I mean, I've never made something that had that big of an impact. But when my dad told me he was proud of my art exhibit and when my mom bought one of my pieces, I cried like it was just like it means so much to make a thing and put your entire self into that thing and then have someone give you the like, validation yes. that this, yes. yes, this is it. Like well, you're doing the thing and you love the thing. And then someone that you respect is like, yep, that's the thing. I agree. Yeah. You did the thing. <laughs> well, and also like, if you look at Kahinde Wiley's entire artist statement, it's, I want people that look like me to be in museums and Barack yes. Obama was, I am the first person to look like me that is the president mm -hmm. of United States. And mm -hmm. so for Kahinde Wiley to paint that portrait is him fulfilling his goal of, I want people to look like me and Aww. just be able to be in positions of power and yeah. to be able to make choices. So it's like that's it's like a full circle moment of essentially yeah, like what child Kahinde Wiley needed. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna cry again. Sorry. I did this That's specifically okay. to make Jordan I cry again. I just <laughs> I just wanna say that my two lovely white co-hosts are both crying and every time they say it, I'm just like, Yep, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> I am dead inside. But you're totally right. That was beautiful. <laughs> you're right. Oh, I'm fucking man. chilling over here. I'm about to hit a bowl again. Like you're crying. I'm fine. It's great. You're right. <laughs> I'm a horrible person. But everything no. you said is so beautiful. I know that I should be feeling more right now. <laughs> it was a really, that, that was a beautiful, succinct way of putting it. Because it is, he, t he does talk about how meeting with Barack Obama who was so image conscious mm -hmm. yes. and so aware of art history. Like those are the two things that he said about him was that Obama understood the image that he wanted to create publicly and that he also understood his art history. So when he met with him and he did and because he said that it was like a weird audition where he had to go in and just really sell his art and he was like well this is what i do and uh and i think it fits with what you do and <laughs> i think you are the manifestation of my childhood dream i feel like this yeah. might work out <laughs> absolutely i can't oh. imagine a more perfect choice for obama than kahinde wiley you know what i mean like to me oh, that choice absolutely. makes absolutely i'm like who else would paint this like who else would have painted his portrait 
Absolutely. Especially, I mean, there is, a, it, it goes back to that tenderness with which Wiley paints black masculinity. There's, it, it's, he and that is, absolutely, even that statement, I think, kind of makes me think of Obama. Yes. Yeah. As I feel like he does kind of represent a different kind of more tender masculinity because he does kind of have a warmth and love to him that you would not necessarily immediate associate with a black man in power, but there's also... Or with a no, man in power. I mean, I don't know, Colin Powell... That's the only person I was thinking of when I said that sentence. I don't think you're right. That's the only person I can think of, Jordan. So I don't know. But yeah, I think that he does represent like a new kind of what uh, Wiley is has been creating. He's kind of like um, the whole nation accepting that, like Andrea said. Well, it's, it, it well, goes back you know, to- Well, most of us. <laughs> I mean, if you look at masculinity and you look at the ways in which I, black men are not allowed to be tender and there aren't mm -hmm. a lot of there aren't depictions of soft men. And it's also there aren't depictions of men being tender with each other like this is completely out of left field. But I think it illustrates it. That new Winter Soldier TV show. What I don't is know that? this. I don't know what, what this is. What are you is. talking about? <laughs> you don't know Marvel? Okay. Well, oh. so there's there's Captain America, and then there's his best friend, uh, uh, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> We're getting into Jordan watches a Star Wars territory, you guys. <laughs> Crossover. <laughs> but it's frustrating because these two are men that are friends. Mm -hmm. And it's the first time that you get to see like a tender male friendship that is mm -hmm. not between two men who are fucking like it is just mm -hmm. dudes being bros, but not in a typical way where it's like they hug each other and they're soft with each other and they're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And everyone on the Internet was like, well, they're gay. Obviously, there's no mm -hmm. way that they're not because they're dudes holding hands. And it was just like, well, mm -hmm. you can't have it both ways. You can't have mm -hmm. men feeling comfortable to share their emotions and be soft and vulnerable and be people mm -hmm. and also then call any representation of that as a homosexuality homosexual thing right uh well because yeah, i was gonna say absolutely. even before you got to the mass idea of that vulnerability not being acceptable it's like especially black men feeling safe to be that vulnerable within their own households, their own relationships, yes. they're in terms of like the black community, there's something where you could have, a, you could try to cry in front of your wife and her call you a bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's literally no safe space for you to feel sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> feel like everything that he's trying to convey is like, really important and also a way that we're moving that again especially in the black community i think on the grand scale we're accepting a lot of different things that in th there's these smaller niches of american culture and specifically i'm talking about the black community it's like 
overall we're kind of behind on that shit in terms of allowing people to like there's still you know memes that poke fun at literally that vulnerability like there is like a thread like on terms of just like random funny black twitter shit that's just like oh yeah i saw my boyfriend skipping we're done now like there's just jokes <laughs> about how you're not allowed oh, damn motorcycle sorry um <laughs> But there's like kind of very what I would consider being in my little L.A. bubble, like very 90s punchline style jokes about how they're still not except like black women um, in these memes, um, stereotypically not being comfortable with their partners being vulnerable or whatever and kind of immediately dismissing it as. Uh, someone being not man enough or whatever. So yeah. I think that he definitely needs to keep bussing people into his shows. I, I agree. <laughs> I interviewed Brian Simpson, who some of you guys uh, might know. I love Brian so much. Brian is a black comedian and also a veteran. Um, mm -hmm. He knows a lot about masculinity and we talked about masculinity and he said that masculinity is a prison. And yeah. mm. I've like talking to Brian about what that is <laughs> and about like the ways that you're not allowed to be vulnerable and the ways that you're mm -hmm. not allowed to share your feelings. It's like, mm -hmm. I think as a woman who has for the most part dated men, it's so clear that men do not talk enough about their feelings because sometimes they don't even, they can't even identify their own feelings because they don't mm -hmm. talk about them enough. And so, so they like, just know they ha they're reacting to something and they aren't even aware of what they're reacting to sometimes. Absolutely. So men, please go to therapy. Um, please <laughs> talk about your feelings with your male friends. S hash it out. Figure it out. Stop making every woman that will listen to you the only person that you talk to about your feelings because we're tired. And that's only because, but also because you should be able to talk about those with other people and Absolutely. get to a place where you can maybe talk about them before they get to the point where you have to like talk to your one close friend before you snap, but also recognizing that, um, especially in our American society, you have not been equipped to maybe discuss or identify these things in a way that some of us of a different gender persuasion have been kind of, you know, more conditioned to mm, even take Talk the time about. to dissertain. Yeah, yeah, even to yeah. be like, I, how do I feel? Why? Even as a woman being like, oh, I'm on my period. Am I thirsty? Like, why do I feel this way? Is kind of Absolutely. an instinctive thing that I do where I feel like yes. I would be interested to be like, yeah, I don't think that, yeah, we kind of foster that even uh, critical thinking process the same Absolutely. way sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. I just... What I want is I want for men to have full relationships with each other. I want for men yes. to be able to hug and hold hands. And I want for men to express their feelings with their male friends instead of finding the only girl that works at a Home Depot and telling them about all their trauma. Because that was me as the only girl who worked at a Home Depot. I would just have random men come up to me and be like, my wife died and I can't find this pipe fitting. And it's like, you need yep. therapy. I'm 20. Like, please, but please go to therapy. That is, that is so indicative of what we're talking about, Andrea. It's like some of those men were probably like, I don't even know how I got here. I just parked <laughs> my truck. 
Please help me. My body is going into shock. I haven't been this sad in 50 years. Home Depot is my safe place. Home Depot is where things get fixed. How do I fix my broken heart? Here's a woman. Let me talk to her. Like Andre is like, how can I help you? And he's like, you just broke me out of a fugue state. I don't know how I got here. I don't know what's going on. Help me, please. What day Absolutely. is it? Like, Absolutely. Oh my God. Oh, that's fair though, Andrea. You don't deserve to carry that burden. It's a lot, <laughs> man. It's a lot. Hey, I was heavy, heavy as the neck that wears the canvas apron. In oh my Eagle. God. <laughs> Our low wage employees do not make enough money. I was thinking about this other day because there are literally like, there are days where like, I'm still alive because a barista asked me how my day was. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that. Yes that th- we need to pay people more that's how i feel about it Bar- baristas and every woman that ever applies at a home depot should have a free um subscription to talk space that they can just give out to whatever customer be like actually and this he- one's on the house i have a promo code it's a whole thing here's a coupon for you and if you use my promo code i'll actually get a kickback for this emotional labor thank you so much <laughs> Before, okay, before we get out of here and before we end talking about Kehinde Wiley, can I talk about his stained glass real quick? Uh, Kehinde Wiley stained glass? Wait, do you have a... Kehinde Wiley does... No, I was going to say, before we move on, do you mind if I go into um, the actual visual aspect of the painting? Oh my God, Um, yes, please. Of course. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So, So the Obama portrait is continuing in a long line of portraits of royalty in my opinion because this is Kehinde Wiley painting someone in power this is a head of state this is this is his opportunity to paint someone who is in the position that he has been painting these people yes so one of my favorite parts about this is that he because Obama did spend his presidency trying to be approachable and a man of the people. They did talk about how he wanted this painting to represent that. So what you have is Barack Obama sitting forward, kind of leaned forward on a chair. He's got an open collar. There's no tie. And it just looks like he is moving towards you in space. You guys can't see what I'm leaning towards my camera I'm to just, really illustrate uh, this. I'm just uh, very approachable and very Jordan became laid Obama back. for a moment. <laughs> that was great. And so, I look like an everyman in this photo. You know what I mean? That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, I mean, that really was what the goal with this painting was, was to show him as a person and just show him as an approachable person. And part of having him sitting forward in space is that it shows that he is interested in you. He's not aloof. He's approachable. There is, there is a a way that you force a, an interaction with an image and you force your audience to have a specific reaction to a painting and Mm -hmm. Wiley has it down because he's been studying the rules of visual language. I am talking with both of my hands and trying to hold a microphone. (laughs) That's Uh, how much Jordan (laughs) loves art history. She's like, you don't understand the magnitude. (laughs) I love it. 
But I do feel that way looking at all of those other ones. Like all the kings are looking off to the side. Yes. Or there's so much opulence around them that like I can, he is making eye contact with you in this painting. Yes. And he is on your level. And Mm. it is the background was what really caused kind of a, well, I mean, the fact that there was a black president and the fact that a black painter did the first presidential portrait uh, caused the kerfuffle, but people tried to focus it on the background. And I was like, you're not fooling anyone. Everyone can see that you're fucking racist. So Wait, because what did they not like about the background? They hated the background. That it's Who all did? this just... Oh, there were tons of bad reviews about this painting. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was just like, oh, shit, Kahinde Wiley. That's awesome. Like, I didn't realize I was, that there was all this, like, drama about it. There was a ton of drama around it. I was lucky enough that this painting actually came out during one of my art history classes. Oh. So Damn. my professor... My professor went, they unveiled it. Let's look. And then we spent uh-huh. the entire class talking about this painting. Nice. That's so okay. cool. Like, but she also had a lot of information about the people who were talking shit about this painting because it doesn't look like other presidential portraits. But mm-hmm. then if you look at other presidential portraits, it doesn't have to. Bill Clinton's mm-hmm. is abstract. Okay. Of course it is. That hot smoking hippie. <laughs> exactly. There's no fucking, it just, it kills me. So, but the background and Wiley says this, that there's a method to his madness uh, because all of the flowers are from places that are important to Barack Obama's story. Mm. So you've got flowers from Indonesia, Kenya, Hawaii and the state of uh, the state flower of Chicago. So this whole background of foliage and green and life, it's all the story of Barack Obama. Aw, that's really sweet. Oh. Yeah. I like that. I really like this. I really <laughs> like him. And I, I like his paintings and I, I don't know, maybe I didn't go into enough depth because it, does make me kind of sad that he's got assistance and I didn't really want to find out anything bad about Kehinde Wiley because he's just <laughs> I like him a lot I like the way he talks about art and power Hmm. I think that all that stuff is really important Jordan and I think you focused on the things that make Kehinde Wiley an important painter you know what yeah. I mean Thank So you. and I do yeah, think I love just it because I do think just because of the way you two have brought it up as artists, that that is just going to be something that we evolve to continue to discuss is like loving painters and knowing what learning more about their process and how you feel about that or not. Or like the re like just being realistic about people, like you said, creating at the scale that they want to create or whatever. Well, I think there's something, too, is that anytime you like the work of someone in your mind, it creates comfort and it creates sort of like a hero worship. And that goes for everything that goes for film, comedy, television, every single thing that you consume and you enjoy when you have an emotional reaction or feeling about that art, 
you want to think well of the artists and people that created it. And so sometimes the people that create the things you love are bad and shitty people. And sometimes those people have hurt people. Sometimes those people have cheated on their partners. But sometimes those people are Paul Gauguin. Yes. Oh, we're going to get into him. (laughs) Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. We're absolutely going to cover Gauguin very soon. But yeah, I think that it's hard because it's like, like, I love Lisa Frank. I don't want to find out that dumb shit, but also like she's also a human being. And to remember that everyone Mm -hmm. who's ever created something, everyone you think like, oh, my God, they're so great. I wish I could be like them someday. Think about why someone is sacrificing personal relationships to sit in a studio all day and paint by themselves or write by themselves or what causes someone to need to be the best at something. And maybe Mm. it comes from a place of trauma and maybe people are just struggling through the things that happened to them and using artwork Mm -hmm. and success as a way to mask their pain. So like Mm -hmm. people are complicated and yeah, I don't know. I do think that that's something that definitely comes up a lot right now with people kind of learning things about artists or the other creators, actors, whatever that they love and then getting mad in a certain way and I do think that there's kind of a balance of just like acknowledging that I think it's like there are people that like don't want to hear anything bad about the people because they already like something and they don't want it to ruin it but if anything it's like just as disrespectful to ignore a whole part of that person that was clearly a part of making the thing that you like and trying to ignore that when it's like, no, that's as just as much a part of the person as the thing that you like. These can even exist in the same way, but you can't get annoyed at people bringing up the reality of Absolutely. what your favorite person may or may not have done. You have to be in a place where you're like, oh yeah, they were horrible. This is amazing. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> it's well, and I- like, I think that a lot of people are having an, uh, uh, internal conflict with that in different ways right now with art and things oh, abs- that they love. Absolutely. And getting mad at other people for not wanting to get on board with whatever level of reality they are is making them feel safe, like you said, with the things Absolutely. that they like. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, when I was a kid and I found out that like Martin Luther King cheated on his wife, I was so upset. And then as an yeah. adult, you're just like, oh, wait a minute, this man... <laughs> Every day was like, woke up and was like, I might die today. I'm away from my whole family. I'm a man in a world that does not allow men to talk about their feelings. And a woman is nice to me. Yeah, I can see how that man might have had an affair with someone that was spending time with him. You know, I think that we have to understand. Even that, that, I'm like, yeah, he did a lot for civil rights and he was just a damn dog. You can be both. For sure. You can be a shit husband. Like you maybe should have just been single that whole time. And we'd be like, yeah, he really blew through some broads while he was on that (laughs) fucking line. But who cares? So it's like, yeah, no, but you're right. (laughs) No, shit's fucking being a person is really hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm 33 and I'm like, what the fuck? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like I make people laugh, but I'm shitty and I've lost a lot of friends because I'm too hard on people, but I'm don't have the patience. So I don't know what the fuck to tell you. There's definitely going to be people that have mixed reviews on me. That is a okay. It's bound to happen. (laughs) It does remind me of something my friend uh, Christina used to say all the time, which is he might be cute, but someone is annoyed with that face. (laughs) Yes. 
Absolutely. I like it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, no one's ab- annoyed with Obama's face. This is no. A great hell yeah. Jordan, are you? Do you have more to say, man. or sh- can I jump into no, stained glass? No, no, just my my bibliography because I forgot the word oh, for yeah. sources. <laughs> and also, I will. That's, uh, that's the word. Just seeing the word bibliography, so cute. <laughs> you nailed it, dude. Love you it. Nailed it. Um, Get out of here. And then I do before I forget because I did just close that out. Um, I do want to read my sources. Um, I did use Wikipedia. I know that that's uh, no, everyone I don't, I don't does. How I you give guys money feel sometimes. about that one. Oh, yeah, I love um, helpful. Yeah, and then there was an article called Kahinda Wiley on painting masculinity and blackness from President Obama to the people of Ferguson. Uh, there was a hyperallergic uh, article, uh, Kahinda Wiley, the St. Louis. Uh, and St. Louis Art Museum. Kahinda Wiley's painted elegies for Ferguson. And then I used a lot of Kahinda Wiley resources from his personal website where he talks about his art and posts a lot of interviews. Nice. Hell yeah, dude. He seems kind of like art prince. Like he's elusive. He only tells a couple stories. I like it. (laughs) He plays it close to the vest yeah he's pretty sweet i uh okay before before we leave i won't part of the reason okay part of the reason i want to talk about kahinde wiley stained glass is because if you guys don't know uh if you're new listeners or i guess this is like our second episode so whatevs (laughs) uh we're all new I, uh, I'm a stained glass artist. That's my day job. So every day I go to work and I paint usually Jesus or whatever else, but I'm a stained glass painter. The occasional cherub. (laughs) The occasional cherub. I painted some Virgin Marys. They're getting it in. Whatever. But when I found out that Kehinde Wiley was making stained glass... I was so excited. So I'm going to share an image for, I'm sure Jordan's seen it before, but I'll share it so Katrina can see it. Yeah, I've never um, seen this. But this is his oh, stained glass. wow. And it's fucking incredible. And it's, I mean, it's the same concept. So he's taking stained, famous stained glass paintings, traditional stained glass paintings, and he's reimagining them with contemporary black figures. This um, is heavy. It's heavy, it's intense, and like, there are so many challenges when you're creating stained glass artwork that you don't have to worry about in a painting, because stained glass is essentially, the way we describe it at work, is it is a mosaic bound by lead. So glass is a very fickle medium. It's difficult Mm. to cut, it's fragile, it's breakable, but it can also last hundreds of years. There is stained glass that is almost Uh, a thousand years old that still exists, painted stained glass. Um, And the the techniques that we use as a studio, the studio I work for are, you know, ancient. We we use a computer to help lay things out now, but for the most part, we're doing the same exact thing that people did almost a thousand years ago. And it could last almost that long. And so like, these paintings are exquisite. As a stained glass painter, I could say these are fucking exquisite. But also, one of my coworkers was interviewed by Kehinde Wiley to possibly paint these for him. Um, oh. She specializes in portraiture and she specializes in 
for a long time she was um a freelance artist who came to work for the studio i work for and her prices were too high so oh <laughs> see that's, that's like it yeah that's and why hyundai wiley was getting say. stuff made in china because it's cheaper and the, only, yeah. the only thing i will say is for your medium i would even say even more like i would give it to somebody to commission it and have it come out right if you, absolutely that is not your medium i would like yeah our studio no, has created work for some famous artists. We've done work for Amir Fala. We've done work for James Jean. And there are people, glass is a medium that you have to understand. You can't paint it the yes. same way that you paint right. a textile or a canvas or any other surface. The processes of it, a lot of the processes involve chemistry and math and <laughs> other dumb, Gross. difficult things that art school told me I didn't need. So nah, I know. <laughs> bait and switch is that right my my art school would not give me credit for ap calculus i use math every single fucking day <laughs> it's rude it's honestly rude it's, it's rude it's almost like they're rejecting worthwhile education yeah it's crazy it's weird it's almost like art school is kind of a scam anyway whatever we'll get into it well, one of the things too, uh, it's not just glass art when an artist does stained glass. When an artist who is typically a painter does a tapestry, they have sent it somewhere else. Absolutely. They have sent their Absolutely. image to be handmade into a tapestry. Uh, Chuck Close did that constantly. Um, oh. And there is a larger conversation that does happen within the art community of at what point is this exploitative? Because the women mm -hmm. who are making this tapestry and who are, because Chuck Close, there, there was a lot of gross stuff that ended up coming out about him mm. and about the way that he ran his studio and the way that he interacted with people. But it also came out that he was basically getting his tapestries from a sweatshop. Mm. Yeah. And so these women who are actually making these pieces that are hanging in a museum and that are being sold Insane. for millions are not oh getting any gosh. recognition. So Absolutely. It's Absolutely. A, it's a rough. Just thinking about what, what one of those sold for and how it would change like what that entire factory's life maybe. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. No, it would be monumental. Mm. I, th I think there's this weird concept of the artist as this sort of like monolithic genius and this person who just has this like vision and the truth is is that any artist with a name that big is the head of a team he's like the steve yes. jobs of apple he doesn't know how to a lot of times those artists might not even know how to make that thing themselves they might not have the right. ability they've just come up yeah, with right. the concept um, and so I think that also brings you into a larger conversation of wealth and privilege because a lot of artists who don't make their own work have the wealth and privilege to get that work made by someone else and they have the wealthy contacts mm -hmm. and connections to have that work bought by someone that they know or that has a connection to them. And so like yes. how a lot of artists get started, they might not be the most talented artist, but they do have resources. Um, well, just so I like think Lisa that, Frank said, she knew what the people wanted to buy. So she absolutely. took that as, yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's a really interesting conversation to have about art and art making that the general public might not be aware of. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cause you all tell me, you know what I mean? More inside baseball about how all of this stuff happens all the time. So, so much I'm inside excited. baseball. We're pulling back the curtain people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See how the sausage is made. It's an expose. <laughs> Oh, I I do think that we are going to get into some shit that people do not want to (laughs) hear. I mean, that's the fun of this podcast, though. I'm excited. I'm excited (laughs) for some very specific DM arguments that I don't understand. I'll just screenshot you and be like, hey, you guys, they're mad. I don't understand any of these references. Like, it's just going to be... I can't wait. It's going to be great. Thank you so much, Jordan. Yeah, this was great. Good job. you You did it. You fucking did Heck it, girl. Yay. Um, okay, so if you enjoyed this episode um, or any of the others, there's two at this point, um, follow us at Pavantgarde, which is a P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E at Instagram or Twitter. And we will also eventually have a Patreon up, which, you know, when this is up, there'll be links where you need them. Um, And if you want to follow me as an individual, also, this is Katrina talking. If you didn't figure that out already, our voices are pretty different. Um, You can follow me at Katrina Savad, which is just Davis backwards, S-I-V-A-D. And that's on Instagram, Twitter, my website. Everything's the same. Um, And yeah, thanks, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to find me on all of your hot, hot social medias, I'm doing polls about what makes you have ADHD. I'm showing pictures of my dog. Sometimes there's art. What's up? Come check me out on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta or on TikTok at Andrea Gazetta Yay or on Twitter at Sundress Comic. And if you want to uh, ask me about any arts and crafts, because I'm having a lot of fun answering messages about how to make dollhouses and how to embroider. Uh, If anybody wants to ask me, I have all the resources. I can help you at any level. Um, And it's always fun for me. People keep starting every message. I've gotten like six messages uh, and... They have all started with, I'm sorry, but I didn't know where to start. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Start with me. Let's do this. Uh, <laughs> but you can find me, so me on happy. Instagram. It is the only social media that I have. Uh, I am the Goonie Bird, just like the Shell Silverstein poem. Because uh, that was also uh, one of my names growing up because he couldn't get jumbo shrimp to stick. So the Goonie Bird. Uh, and you we can find my art account JS. from that account. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna like sneak JS into Jordan's house forever. and change all her social handles to Jumbo Shrimp. <laughs> jumbo Shrimp. Uh, I love that you think I didn't already have a dream that I got a tattoo of a Jumbo Shrimp. Because oh my god, amazing! I love it. I love so it so much. I know what my next tattoo is. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, thank you all for listening. We love you. We love, we love you. you. Bye. 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 Hey guys, Andrea here. Um, I'm asking for your help a little bit today. 
because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound, and because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, we had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings, and we're working on getting those sorted out. Um, and part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash podvantgard. And our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um, we're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. Um, and as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering art, uh, like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now, um, especially around NFTs, especially around AI. And I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content. Um, I would also say that in terms of the time cost, you know, Katrina, Jordan, and I all are supporting ourselves outside of this show. This show takes a lot of time. I'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching. We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is is just that it can become something that, you know, we're not looking to get rich. I don't think that's ever been our goal. I don't think we ever think that could be our goal. But what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show. My experience uh, with Cult Podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys <laughs>